year Jess and I were married. And so I'm probably, I know I'm going to get some of the details wrong, but the gist of it is right, if that makes sense. But it's, it's, it was a long time ago. Um, so, and it's about prayer. And you remember Zach, um, who came, and he's in India now. Uh, I, I actually went over there where he is, and there was a training that they were doing, and they were training Indian pastors and lay people and just giving some trainings. And there were several other Americans there came over to see, kind of see the work and help out and things. And one of them was a pastor and they asked him to give a little short talk to some of these people that have been meeting for a while. And he started out his message with a quote. And I can't remember who said the quote. I, uh, there's so many theologians with multiple letters at the beginning of their name, A.W. Tozer, J.C. Rao, um, R.C. Sproul, one of those two-letter name guys. And I don't remember which one it was, but the quote was, I remember the quote still. He said, and he started out real serious. If you want, he said, I want to read you a quote. If you want to humble a man, ask him about his prayer life. That's how he started. And then he started asking more questions like, if your life was plotted out, if your day was plotted out on a pie chart, would prayer even make the cut? And there was one Indian guy there. This was all going through a translator, but there was an Indian guy there in the back. He was standing, and he was smiling, and he said, Yes! And then he asked another question. Is prayer, you know, um, a joyful part of your life that brings meaning and joy into your life in a significant way? And that same guy is, Yes! And uh, <laughs> he kept asking questions like that, where it was very clear he expected the answer to be no, and this guy is happy to say yes. And at first I thought, oh, this is, the translation is not coming across here. Something's <laughs> not getting across. And it was a lot more questions like that. You know, do you really feel that the things in your life, the important things, you're really giving to God as if it, prayer really matters? And that same guy, yes. And he was happy. I mean, <laughs> And so at first I thought it was a translation thing because this was going through a translator. But then later on, you know, looking back, I don't think that's the case. Like, for example, there was a one village we visited. They talked about, oh, we just had an all-night prayer meeting last night. And um, they talked about that, that they had an all-night prayer meeting. And we went to their, this was a Sunday, and I should have, brought pictures of what it looked like, but imagine, imagine like a garage basically where there's just, you know, there's not, there's not drywall on the walls. It's just concrete and the floor is a concrete slab and everybody's just crowded in there and there's no chairs just kneeling on this concrete. That's where they would meet. And they had said they had met for an all night prayer meeting last night. Well, I just give that as a way of an introduction because I feel like it kind of fits in with kind of this message on prayer. That, for example, we all know prayer is important. Um, but at least in, Ameri- in America, average American Christian does not feel satisfied with their prayer life or fair, feel like their prayer life reflects reality that it should be. I'm actually going to start by... Since this is going to be three messages all about the same thing, actually four, but the fourth will be in Revelation, 
probably like the first half of my message is going to be kind of introduction. So don't get worried if I just finished the introduction in like 25 minutes from now. So it, we'll just continue on. But that is to say it's kind of a long introduction this time. Okay, so I've got some statistics here that survey um, results. And these are American Christians, and it's specifically about prayer here. Okay, this is kind of small, but I'll, I'll explain it. It says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your prayer life? They gave this to uh, American Christians. And then the top here, uh, each one of these dots is a 1%. So there's 100 total. So this would be a 10 out of 10. 1% of people said they're 10 out of 10 satisfied with their prayer life. And then, then 1 would be completely dissatisfied, you know, as low as you can go. And that's right here. So, as you can see, it's quite bottom-heavy here, uh, the survey about Christians and, and their prayer life. In fact, 1 to 4, so dissatisfied, is 55% right here. Now, keep that in mind as we look at this next survey. This one's a little bit different. Um, what is... Oh, this got cut off. Okay, I'll read you. This is the question. What is the biggest impediment to your prayer life? So that's a good follow-up to why people feel this way. What is the biggest impediment? Each one of these is 2%. Um, although I think one got cut off. Uh, anyways, each one of these is supposed to be 2%. Um, 57% said distraction is the biggest impediment. 15% said indifference. And another 15% said busyness. And 13% said loss for words. Loss for words. So if we kind of put these together, these two ideas that most people are dissatisfied, 55%, and then 57% say distraction is the, is the thing. We can, I think we can say that's a big problem. You know, that's one thing that, at least for American Christians, is a big hindrance to prayer life, or at least self-reported. And so as we look at this, just think about it. You know, just think about yourself. Think about where you're at how you feel, how you would answer some of these questions. Okay. This is kind of time. Uh, the average use of a workday for persons aged 25 to 54 with children, how much time they spend in their day. So it's actually literally that question you know I was talking about earlier. Your day split up into... How your day's filled, and you know work, sleep, um, leisure, household activities, eating and cooking, caring for others, and then other. So this would be, you know, kind of an average day indicated by survey. And then I want to compare that to um, more results from that same survey about how many minutes a day, on average, do you spend in prayer. This is a, the same survey from earlier. Crossway actually is the one that did this survey. And they actually split it up for um, pastors and lay, is what they called it, non-pastors. Uh, to me, that it doesn't... I guess one thing that you could take from that is pastors have more time to pray if they're full-time, for sure. Um, and so maybe splitting those out. But one thing I want you to notice here is... Um, here is 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, all the way up. And again, 
the average, at least for um, you know non-pastors, would be around here 15 minutes a day, and um, a little bit higher for pastors, but actually not that much higher. Um, between 20 and 30, so about 10 extra minutes a day um, only. Again, one thing I think I will make sure and note here is, you remember in Matthew 5 when Jesus is talking about the Lord's Prayer, what he says right before it is, don't pray like the Gentiles, heaping up words and phrases thinking that they'll be heard because there are many words. We don't want to get that idea across and change that words to minutes, right? Well, if you pray more, God's going to hear more. That's not how it works, right? That basically, um, just praying longer doesn't necessarily mean better. Um, There's no time limit in the Bible. God doesn't say, you better pray for more than 15 minutes, right? And so, it's a danger to say, like, even really to say, see this and say, well, 15 minutes is a bad thing. Well, the reality is you really have to put all these together that people feel that that's not enough, right? If this is the average, the majority of people feel that's not sufficient or it doesn't really reflect reality. And um, so this is just, this is information. Um, Now, one more piece of information. Okay, this is daily time spent on social media. So I'm trying to connect all these dots here. People feel dissatisfied with their prayer life. People feel like distraction is the biggest hindrance, uh, the vast majority, over 50%, in terms of American Christians. And then time spent per day on prayer averages about around 15 minutes, uh, right around 15 minutes. And now this is a chart of daily time spent on social media, and you can see how from 2013... This is just Americans. This isn't uh, professing Christians. Has climbed from an hour and 35 minutes uh, up to almost two and a half hours. Uh, This last one is 2019, from 2013 to 2019. So putting all the pieces here together, um, one more slide here. So here's a comparison. Average daily time in prayer compared to social media. Quite uh, shocking there, difference. Um, And so, what do we do with that? What do we do with all this? Um, We can turn the projector off here. That's my last slide for now. So, Uh, Yeah, you can just, you can even put it up if you want, because I'm not going to show any more slides this today okay so all that's introduction and information now just before I get into more of the meat of the sermon and looking at some verses the four next four messages we're going to talk about four different motivations to pray or motives to pray according to the Bible and you might think after that you know, slide that the, today's is going to be guilt, <laughs> but it's not. Okay, um, that's not what we're. That's not what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm hoping that what I say is different than you're expecting, because at least 
this is average. You know, this isn't every person. This doesn't apply to everyone. But what we're saying is, on average, American professing Christians' prayer life self-reported is weak. And they feel that there's other things that eat away their time and that they're not, they're not satisfied with their prayer life. And so I'm hoping that we look at, as we look at these four different motivations, biblical motivations for prayer, that it'll just change your mindset a little bit. Just remind you about prayer, the purpose, um, and what God intends, what God intended prayer to be. And like I said, today's motive is not guilt, but I'll give you all four. Humility, that's what we're going to talk about today. And then love faith, and worship. Four motives to pray. And humility, love, faith, and worship. And I don't know if I, I may change the order up, but worship will be the last, and today's is humility. Uh, I don't, on love and faith, I haven't decided which one I'll do first yet. So those are the four, next four weeks, basically, all about prayer. And this is going to be a review here to start. We just see in the Bible that prayer was a big deal in the Bible, that Jesus prayed. I'll just give you a couple of verses here. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence, Hebrews 5, 7. Or Matthew 26, when Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, he said, Jesus went up with them to the Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. So we see Jesus, and we could just multiply the verses, but we see Jesus was a person of prayer. Paul was a person of prayer. We just read this verse from 1 Thessalonians, Pray without ceasing. Or in Romans 1.9, Paul says this, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Paul was a person of prayer. And David was a person of prayer. I like the end of Psalm 4 and the beginning of Psalm 5 are kind of an interesting contrast. He says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone make me dwell in safely. So it, Actually, the end of Psalm 4, he's talking about praying before he falls asleep. And then Psalm 5, he says this, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. So it seems like Psalm 4 and Psalm 5 are praying in the evening. He's talking about his experience of praying in the evening, giving his problems to God and going to sleep and having peace. And then Psalm 5, praying in the morning and worshiping the Lord and asking for help, asking God to hear him. And so what I'm trying to get across is this. We know, we know, we all know the answer is prayer is important. We see the Bible, we read in the Bible and we see that prayer was important to God, uh, to the people of God, to Christ himself as an example. And throughout the Bible, we could go over a lot of examples, but we see the importance of prayer um, and continual prayer, not giving up, uh, praying without ceasing. And that doesn't mean praying 100% of the day, but keep pressing on in prayer, praying regularly for, for others, praying regularly, and, and keeping that a big piece of our life. So why, if we know it's important, if the Bible gives us this exhortation to pray without ceasing, why 
is our prayer life in terms of you know American Christianity? Why is it weak, self-reported? You know, why would it be that the majority of professing Christians would say that they're pretty dissatisfied with their prayer life? And so few would say that they are satisfied with their prayer life. Not that time is most important again. We're not, we're not saying that. But we do want to please God. And so here's the first answer and the first motive to pray. Humility. Humility is a motive to pray. If you want to turn with me to Matthew 6, we'll look at the Lord's Prayer just through this one lens. There's a lot there. You could probably, we could spend a whole, a long time on the Lord's Prayer. But I'm just going to talk about humility today and just think about this prayer that you're familiar with in lens of humility, through the lens of humility. Now, I didn't, we're already gone along in an introduction but I'll just tell you a few more interesting survey items kind of related to this as you flip there to Matthew 6 about humility. If uh, There was a really interesting chart where they plotted all the countries in the world and the percentage of people that prayed uh, daily. And it was really interesting. The chart was uh, the highest was poor countries, and then as the country got richer, prayer went down and down and down and down and down and down and down, and it was a, it was just a smooth line. Actually, America was like a little bit different; it kind of stuck out. But the vast majority was the poorest countries prayed the most. People reported praying daily the most. Like Nigeria, for example, I looked on there was towards almost to the top of of countries that had people that reported they prayed every day. It was ninety five percent said yes, I pray every day. And as you know, we talked about, there's a lot of persecution there. There's difficulty there. There's poverty there. And so not only that, there's a couple other interesting kind of connections um, in terms of the survey. One I thought was interesting was one of the questions they asked, there was a lot of questions. Um, this one was from a different survey, Barna put this one out. But they asked people what they pray about. And this one I thought was kind of interesting. Do you pray for your sleep? They ask people. <laughs> kind of an interesting question in the midst of a long list of questions. But the thing that I found interesting about it was, think about what people do you think most reported they prayed for their sleep? People with children under 18. <laughs> kind of interesting. You know, young kids, you know, they wake up. And um, so all that is to say, Back to the idea of humility. The countries that are the richest feel like they need to pray the least. Really feel the need for God. The countries that are the poorest pray the most. The people that are most likely to wake up, be woken up, those are the people that pray for their sleep. See the idea of humility there? When we really feel that we need God, we pray. And that really ties back into my original story with the American pastor and the Indian guy. There's real persecution. Right? The state we were in, there was anti-conversion laws. If you're baptized, um, or if you lead to someone else changing their religion, um, that's illegal. And that actually is different in different states there in India. But in that particular one we were in, it was illegal to, to baptize uh, someone who was born a Hindu. 
And there was a, you know, I remember specifically a young guy there that was about my age and he showed me his scars from where he'd been beaten, um, where he professed his faith in Christ. And he was actually in school at the time and his classmates actually beat him up. And so you could see how humility leads to prayer. So let's look here in Matthew 6 and connect these ideas. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This is what Jesus says, how we should pray. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pause right there and just think about these in light of humility. Each one of these, you could say, really relates to humility, how Jesus is asking us to pray. We're praying our Father in heaven. We're remembering that there's someone else that's in charge, that created the world, that knows everything. And so just calling God Father is saying, we're the kids, right? We're putting ourselves under God and remembering that he's above. He's above us. That he is one with power. We're praying for his glory, right? Hallowed be your name, not God, please make people really look up to me or something like that. We're humbling ourselves. We really see that God is God. He's the one in heaven. He's the one in charge. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's wise? Who knows what needs to happen? Who's the best person to run the world? God. And when we pray, we're praying, God, we want what you want. We want you to be in charge. We want your will to be done. We want, just like it is in heaven, your will is done perfectly. We want your will to be done like that on earth. We're saying, God, I don't know what's best. Right? I don't want to be in charge. I want you to be in charge. And when we really see that, that God is wise, that he knows what's best, where do we go with our problems? Where do we go with our day? Where do we go? We go in prayer to God. Give us this day our daily bread. How does that relate to humility? We are needy people, physically, physically needy, right? We're made from dirt, literally, and we're going to return to the dirt. And what do dirt people need? They need food, <laughs> or we're going to fall apart. Humility, you remember we talked about this in the past, but humility, the word humility actually comes from, the root word is dirt. You know, we are dirt, right? We're made of dirt. And when we remember that, our neediness, that God made us needy, God made us need sleep. God made us need food. God made us need to breathe. God made us need all these things. What's one reason? Humble us before him, right? To remember we need God. We're not independent. We really need God every day, physically. God could stop the rain and we could have no food. God could uh, take away our job and we could have no bread because we can't get bread. God could stop our heart. You know, all these things, and all these things, we're physically needy each day, and we're dependent. And when we remember that, what do we do? 
we cry to God. We remember, God, this is really similar to what Lance said, God, would you provide for us today? We're physically needy. You know what? I'm sure you've had the experience of physical health problems. Where does that drive you to? It's just a reminder. I need God. But we take, just like Lance was talking about already, we take for granted these things every day, you know. How many times, or I'm sure you guys have experienced this, where you have a body part, you know, maybe a muscle or something like that, or a joint, and you take it for granted every day until suddenly it's not working right. <laughs> and then it's like, wow, it becomes a big deal. You know, something you pray about. God, my knee's hurting. My This muscle or that muscle's strained, you know. If you've ever done sit-ups, you know, and got yourself really sore, and then you realize, man, I... I didn't realize how much I used my, my core. I can't hardly laugh or stand up. It's just, ugh, it hurts. But it makes you realize how much you use those muscles and you take them for granted. Well, it's the same in all areas of our life, isn't it? When we remember how much we need God, each one of these little pieces, um, well, like our pancreas, right? <laughs> we hardly ever do we think about these things, but yet we need all these pieces to work together and God's the one holding us together. Well, not only are we physically needy, we could just keep going on and on about that. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We're spiritually needy, right? We're sinners in need of forgiveness. Where does that drive us? When we realize there's a holy God who's in charge of the world, who is wise and knowing and provides us Everything we've ever needed, everything you've ever received, everything you have was a gift from God. And what have we done? We took those gifts and we rebelled. (laughs) We're sinners in need of forgiveness. We're spiritually needy. And so where do we go? We go to God and we ask for forgiveness. When we really feel, when we really see, man, I, I need God. I need God because I... I don't love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't uh, love others around me like I love myself. I do uh, struggle A, B, C, D, E. Where do we go? We go to God. We pray. We need forgiveness. Not only are we spiritually needy in terms of we need forgiveness, but verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're spiritually needy in terms of help. We need forgiveness and we need help. We're not above spiritual failure today, are we? When we really realize our weakness, we run to God. God, please help me. Please help me with not getting frustrated, not saying things I shouldn't say to the kids. Please help me to X, Y, or Z, whatever it is for you, um, the areas we struggle. Where do we run? To God. Why? Why? Why do we pray? Why would we pray the Lord's Prayer? Because from beginning to end, we remember God is God and we're not. And that means we need Him every single day. Notice the word daily bread there. We need God every day. And so, so I want you to think about this whole idea of this message. You know, we, we looked at all those slides. I'm not really trying to pump you up to pray. 
pray, pray, pray. Although I do want you to pray. But prayer is such a natural response when we see who God is and who we are. That all we're saying is, remember who God is? Remember how good He is? Remember how He wants to meet your needs? Remember how He wants to help you each and every day, both physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, in every way, relationally? God is wanting to help you. And you need the help. And so do I. Isn't that good news that we can go to Him and He hears? Anybody have sin, need forgiven? (laughs) There's God, right? And we can go to Him. And we can go daily. And we can say, God, forgive me and help me. And so my prayer and my hope is, and my belief is, that you'll want to pray. If you just see who God is and who you are, and that there's the opportunity to pray, you'll want to pray. That humility is, leads us naturally to pray. It's just natural. Well, I'm needy. God can meet my need. I'm going to call out to Him. I'm going to cry out to Him. And the reason, you know, thinking about this where we started, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. One way we can pray and continue on praying is cultivating and remembering through meditation who God is and who we are. That's our humility. Humility is a natural driver to prayer. And I want to share some... There's kind of a tension here. And I'm not sure how to get it across, so I'll do my best. There's, there's commands, but there's also promises. There's urgency, like we really need to pray. Do you need to pray? Yeah. But there's also dependency. Can you do it on your own? No, you can't. And so there's a tension. Both are true. Um, and so I'll just give you a couple verses here, and we'll kind of look at the different sides of this. Here's a command. Clothe yourself, each one of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's a command to be humble. But you hear the promise? Be humble. Humble yourselves where? Before God. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's humility there. When you come before God and you realize, well, I really need you today, God. I need you physically, spiritually. I need you to run the world. I need you to help me emotionally, spiritually. I need forgiveness today, and I need help. When you come to God, there's a command there to humble yourself before God. But then there's a promise to be received, that you'll receive grace. That when this actually happens, when we come to God in humility, that something changes that the real and living God who is king of the universe, who is in control, meets you where you are and does something. That's good news. (laughs) And so there's a command and there's a promise. There's some urgency. I mean, we could say, I think maybe the sharpest way to say this is, why don't we pray as Americans? We could say, I'm going to say something, I know it's sharp, I'm trying to illustrate a point. We're lazy. Right? We could say that. We're lazy. Think about um, uh, Proverbs. I, behold, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and grounds were covered with nettles, and its stone walls broken down. And then I saw and considered it, and looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. 
Oh, that kind of applies to prayer. Couldn't we say that? Couldn't that whole section be not about just laziness in, in terms of physical work, but in terms of our prayer lives? I mean, we talked about, you know, we saw these, um, you know, self-reported. It's just distraction, you know, fun in many ways, just, um, and again, we're kind of reading into the numbers, but many of the distractions are just fun things. They're not um, needs that are being met. Uh, although there is that too, I'm sure. Uh, we're talking in generalities. So we could say that. We could say that there's a laziness and there's a there's a sense in which each one of us has a responsibility, you know, to be disciplined, right? It takes discipline. That something's going to have to be cut out. Um, you're filling your day. You're filling 24 hours a day, every day. You get every single one of those minutes. You get filled each day. What are you filling them with? And if you're if something's going to change, you're going to have to swim upstream. Our culture is pulling us one way, and God is saying, you know, the things our culture values, that's not what I value. And it is going to take effort. There's an urgency there. But that's not the whole picture. There's dependency. If you decided in your own strength, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be, I'm not going to um, let this go on one more day. I'm going to change it. You may very well fail there too. <laughs> God may, because remember what we're talking about? Humility. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. You set your, you know, set your jaw, you know, decide I'm going to do it in my strength. God may very well let that fail just to remind you, you need him, right? Because we can't do it on our own. It's, you know, just to say you're lazy, that's not the full picture, is it? There's actually a spiritual battle going on and we need help from God. You know, many of these things, the world, it lulls us to sleep. The realities, the spiritual realities around us, there are real forces that don't want us to remember the reality, the nearness of God, and how needy we are. And we need help. We need God to help us. The good news on that is dependency, right? There's urgency. We need to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Do we have responsibility? Yes. Are we doing it alone? No. Could you do it alone if you tried? No. No. We need God. I'll give you an example here. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. What is it saying there? It's in vain that the watchman watches the city if the Lord's not in it. It's in vain if you stay up late and, and get up early to get these things done if God's not in there, if God's not in it with you. We're totally dependent on God every moment of the day. And so where does that lead us? It leads us back around to the original point. Humility. We need God. Is there an element of uh, discipline required in prayer? Yes. But we can't forget. We need God. It can't just be, the answer can't be, I'm going to be more disciplined from here on out. Without God, that's not going to succeed. You're going to be the watchman watching in vain. You're going to wake up early and go to, go to, go to bed late in vain because we need God. We need God in it.
So back to prayer. Ask God to forgive us. Wherever we've fallen short, we say, God, would you please forgive me and lead me not into temptation? Would you help me tomorrow? Would you give me daily bread? Even confessing something like this, God, if I'm really honest, I don't really want to pray. It does not sound joyful to me. It sounds like a duty. Would you change my heart? Would you help me to see the goodness, to see your nearness, to feel and experience your help in prayer that my heart might be changed on it? So we run to God. We ask for help. Admit our need. Admit our weakness. And ask Him. Two more things here. I know this is kind of kind of long here, but what we're saying, too, in terms of prayer is not just scheduled prayer, which we do want that. We've looked at several things where Jesus is talking about daily prayer, where David talked about how he prayed at night and he prayed in the morning. We want to schedule prayer. If you don't schedule prayer... Um, in, as part of your day, it's going to be hard. But that's not the only piece. There's spontaneous prayer too. And humility fosters both. How many times a day do you encounter something where you need God? Well, countless. But remember throughout the day that we can pray. We can pray a short prayer. We can pray a prayer like, God help me. God help me. You meet someone Somebody talks to you, you could just say, God, I don't know how to help this person, and I know I can't, but would you, would you help them? I don't know what to say, God, would you help me? I'm frustrated, God, please protect me. You know, a thousand things that we can pray throughout the day. So it's not just scheduled prayer, but it's spontaneous prayer and humility, remembering that we need God, how much we need Him, that's a part of it. Again, I read the Spurgeon quote not very long ago, but I'll read it again. This is what Spurgeon said. It's not an exaggeration to say that I cry out to God every quarter of an hour, not as a habit or as a duty, but as a baby cries for its mother. Right? That's what we're talking about. That's the kind of prayer life we're talking about is back to, you know, like I said, laziness, right? Like we talked about. If you just stop there, you can kind of get the feeling that what we need is all to be more disciplined, more scheduled, more type A personality, get it done type personality. But the people in the Bible that had vibrant prayer lives, and it seems like the people in history that had these vibrant prayer lives, what was it characterized by? A discipline is part of it, but that's definitely not the full picture. It seems deeper than that. There's this deep sense of God, who He is, and our need for Him. That's humility. And that that will drive us to prayer in a more joyful, a more natural, a more sustained way than discipline by itself ever could. Right? Because it's just natural to cry to God when we need Him. He's there to help, and we cry out, God, help me. Scheduled prayer, but also spontaneous prayer throughout the day. Both are fostered by humility. You know, there's a quote from Luther that said, he kind of gets the other side across about scheduled. He says, I've got so much to do today, I have to spend, I can't remember what he said, an hour and a half in prayer or something. Um, And the point was, not how long it was, but basically, I'm very busy today. How much more do I need to get up and ask the Lord for help today? And so for him, it's kind of the opposite of Spurgeon's quote where this is scheduled, but they're both motivated by need. We need God.
And so I'm going to wrap all this up. And this is the same way I think I'm going to wrap up each one of the messages. But whenever we hear the verse that we started with, pray without ceasing. At least for me, the way I used to think about it along, uh, before was like strong Christians, you know, powerful, mighty, you know, men of God. Even I've read books like that where it's like, do you want to be a mighty man of God? Pray, you know. That's really not the picture we're, the Bible is cultivating. Think about Job. Think about Jeremiah. Think about Paul. many cases it's pretty much the opposite it's like why are you praying i'm weak i'm needy paul he said i despair of life itself think about many of the prayers of jeremiah you know he's crying out to god and he's saying lord you deceive me <laughs> remember that kind of a crazy can you imagine if i ended my sermon like that today god i was trying to follow you and you deceived me i thought <laughs> i thought the christian life was going to be good so it's too hard <laughs> which is basically what jeremiah says that's a different kind of prayer life, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's got all these internal emotions. He's got, he's got some serious uh, emotional strife going on with God. And where is that driving him? To prayer. Right? It may be that you become a praying person in the very way you would want it to happen because you're anxious. You struggle with being anxious or being sad or being uh, fearful or uh, there's a relational difficulty or there's a physical ailment. You know, all these things that it's like, I, I, don't, want, I don't wish that on anybody. And yet, in our weakness and our neediness and in how we realize we need God, where does that drive us? To pray. That very thing may be the thing that teaches you to pray. That brings that hu- humility into our life to where we say, God, I need you. I need you today. I really need your help today. And so when we hear the verse, pray without ceasing, I hope that you don't think, wow, really powerful and strong and people that have got it all together, they pray without ceasing. Because it's really the opposite. If you realize your weakness, that's when you pray. You know, the amazing thing is not that there's people that pray without ceasing, like Paul can say, I prayed without ceasing for you. That's not the amazing thing. The amazing thing, the thing that should surprise us is the opposite. When we realize what, is, what does it take for prayerlessness to come about? We have to be very weak in humility. We have to wake up and really feel like, I can get through the day without God, which isn't true. Right? That's kind of the amazing thing, is that we get to where prayer is sapped out, where we kind of get deceived by the world into thinking we can make it through the day without God. That's kind of the amazing thing, the thing that should shock us. It shouldn't be the reverse. It shouldn't shock us when somebody prays regularly. The same with love, right? We haven't talked about this yet, but we will. When we love people and people are going through something, what do we do? We pray for them. When we love God, what do we want to do? We want to talk to Him. Love motivates us to pray. Faith how many things in our life are there, and this kind of relates to humility, that we can't carry, that we need to trust entrust to God. God, I trust you with this. I trust you with my kids. I trust you with what's going on here. I trust you with the results. I trust you with my sin. A thousand things. And then worship, right? Like, 
how many things can we thank God for every day? For who he is, but also all that he's made, all that he's done for us. All these things move us to pray. And it's when they all wither and get weak that we, that we can shift into prayerlessness. It's only when all of them wither and die or wither a lot that we lose prayer. Because any one of them can bring us out of our prayerlessness. Just a flower, a beautiful day, something remembering God's one that made that, pull us out of prayerlessness into worship. Thank you, God, for what you've made. Thank you that we get to see every day this wonderful sky and the tree and the grass. Thank you for our kids or love for somebody. Somebody else is going through something and you want to pray for them. God, please help me. Uh, to help this person know what to say. Pray you'd be protecting them and helping them where they are. Or just realizing we need God. So all these things, humility, the fact that we need God, love for God and love for others, faith, we're trusting God with our life, with everything around us, and then worship. All the wonderful things. Those all draw us into prayer. And those are what allow us to pray without ceasing. God himself help us us, and these are the motives. Um, and so I hope this is a help to you, and my prayer is that you'll want to pray, that you won't come away feeling like, well, I really need to do this, but you'll feel like, wow, I really get to do this, and just a reminder of our neediness before God and his desire to help. All right, well, why don't we pray together one more time and then we'll have our fellowship time. Uh, Father, we're just looking to you uh, for help. Uh, We're thankful that you hear our prayers. And I do just pray that um, more this week than last week, each one of us would find joy in being able just to speak to you and know that you hear and pour our burdens out, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for help to commit the world and our lives and our kids and everything going on in our day to you, knowing that you love us and um, nothing escapes your notice or your control. I do pray that you'd make us a praying church and praying individuals, praying families. Um, We just need your help. Thank you for the spirit. Thank you for all the reminders all around us. Uh, of our need of you, but also of your goodness towards us. I pray that that would be uh, just something that spurs us on to pray more and to talk to you more and enjoy fellowship with you more and not something that um, accuses us on the last day. Um, We just hand all that to you. We need you and we're thankful that you hear us now and you want to help us. Yes, it's in your name, Jesus. Amen.